Ernest, what's up? Look, in the world of personal finance management, finding the right tool is crucial. If you've been relying on Mint to keep your personal finances in check, I got a mix of news for you. Mint is closing down. But here's a silver lining. Monarch Money is stepping up as the go-to financial app and users, including myself, are making the switch with a smile. Before Monarch, juggling my finances felt like navigating a stormy sea. Other apps either lacked features or were too cumbersome. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design turned financial management from a chore into a breeze. The constant updates, well, that's the cherry on top. But what truly set it apart for me was its collaboration feature. Money matters constrain relationships, but Monarch brings peace to the table. The app's collaboration tools allowed my partner and I to seamlessly manage our finances together. We aligned on our budgets, tracked our cash flow, and even planned our future goals all in one place. Speaking of goals, be it saving for a down payment, your dream vacation, or your children's education, Monarch simplifies it all. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal hailed it as the best budgeting app. This isn't just an app. It's the next generation of personal finance management, ad-free, intuitive, and always evolving with you in mind. Now look, Monarch isn't just another app. It's the all-in-one solution. From effortlessly importing your data from Mint to customizing your dashboard to your heart's content, Monarch respects your privacy with a strict no-ads, no-data-selling policy. This is financial management as it should be, focused on you. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Mondays. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Mondays for your extended 30-day free trial. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. All right, guys, welcome back. We're back. Monday. Happy Monday. Uh, yeah, happy Monday. Monday after the Super Bowl. It's mid-February. Mahomes right. Monday, right? Yo. Sure, Mahomes Monday. That's a fact. Happy Monday yep. to the kingdom. Chiefs kingdom. You know how we do. Um, it's only right. You know, shout out to all the loyal Kansas City supporters out there. That's shout out to everybody, you know, that uh, knew. Shout, shout out to the Swifties. <laughs> she looked nervous for a little bit. Her and Ice Spice. Shout out Ice Spice. Ryan was in the building. Riot, riot, riot. Stop playing with him, Riot. He was in the building. He definitely was in the building. <laughs> Center on CBS. Shout out to the for whole room. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Oh, man, so much to talk about. Great game. Great game. For sure. For Amazing sure. halftime. Usher is a menace to society. Big facts. And he keeps doing it. We'll talk about that later on. <laughs> but they gave, a, they gave yeah, a little blackout riot. moment. They had a disclaimer prior to, so I feel like it's only oh, fair. Oh, the disclaimer. It was like, uh, this performance may cause relationship problems. Please watch your girl. It was like a whole disclaimer before the performance That's started. What I'm saying. Like, he, he keeps doing it, but um, I mean, I get it, but not on, not on my time. Okay. Shout out to Swiss. Shout out to... Shout I out said to y'all talk about the raw things, man. Shout out to Swiss. That's what a gangster should say. 
Shout out to Saudi Saudi uh, Arabia at uh, Saudi Bronx. Yep. That wouldn't have happened in Saudi Arabia. Nah, that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> Off with their hand. The last that might not have been Saudi Bronx, though. Okay. Man. Fellas, All what up. you doing if somebody double hug your girl from the back? Nah, he took it too far. He took it. The double hug. Put in the comments. That was with the with the arms. Nah, he took it too far. Nah, he t- that's us, man. Don't leave your girl around me. <laughs> True player for real. Okay. <laughs> Never be mad at the guy. You got to be mad at the girl. But boy, fact. yeah. Sign, okay. Signed up for this. <sighs> okay. To the next all, one. It's all entertainment, man. They both married. <laughs> And that boy just got engaged. If I was Swiss, I'd be entertaining his Wednesday. <laughs> Showtime. Showtime. <laughs> Shout All right. Man. Even Swap ain't no swindle. <sighs> the king of R&B, man. Put on the show. Ooh. Nah, for sure. For sure. Um, This is big. New York City. Tomorrow, yes. we're going to be at Carnegie Hall. Yes. On um, One Night, One Night Only. Robert Smith. Uh, Ricky Rose Live Orchestra. Um. Oh. We got the only black governor in America, Westmore, the governor of Maryland, and a bunch right. of other dope people. Shout out to Sus. Sus one. one. Up. Oh, you going to be there? Okay. Yeah. yeah. On the, on the one and two. That's Sus. Um, so get your tickets, man. You got one day left to, to you know, get, get, your, get your tuxedos and all that. Go to CarnegieHall.com. Get your tickets, man. That's something that we're looking forward to. So that's tomorrow night, and um, that's the vibe. That's the vibe for Tuesday. And, responsibly, please. And the last thing I'll say is it's a big week for Earn Your Leisure. We have Tashonda Brown Duckett as oh a guest on tomorrow's episode. If you don't know who she is, she's the CEO and president of TIAA. TIAA is a um, wealth management firm that handles most of pension funds and retirement plans for teachers. They have over $1.2 trillion of assets under management. That's so you put with a T. Don't get so it confused. $1.2 trillion. Um, one of the largest companies in the world. Mm-hmm. She's yep. made history as the only black woman to have ever at any point in time been the CEO of a Fortune 100 company. Um, one of two black women who are the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. Um, just an extremely impressive person, extremely down to earth. Um, and we've known her for a while, so we finally got a chance to interview her live at Morehouse. Shout out to the good folks at Morehouse. Yeah. Shout out to TIAA Craft. Yep. And that episode will drop tomorrow. At one o'clock. So that's one of the ones, man. A lot of people was like, yo, thank you. I never heard of her before. Thank you for highlighting people that we've never heard of. You know, we introduced a lot of people to Don Peoples, even Robert Smith. I mean, a lot of people wasn't really too familiar with him. They might have heard his name yeah. with the Morehouse thing, but you know, I think we opened up a lot of new eyes to 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 him. Um, Cheryl McKissick, yep. people like that. So this is another person that you know a lot of people may not have been familiar with, but you know, Forbes listed her as one of the most powerful women in the world. Um, the third most powerful woman in finance. As I said, I'm not gonna kinda just keep going down her yeah. resume. But she's one of these she's one of these people that um you may not be familiar with because she's not like, you know, a celebrity or always in, in the press, doesn't talk too much. But she's one of the ones, man, if you're interested in finance and business and investing and corporate, you know, climbing up the corporate ladder, then you should definitely be familiar with her story for you sure. 1000 percent should be i think even when we talk about her resume which is unprecedented the human being that she is is also just yeah. equally as unprecedented a lot of times we talk about gatekeepers in this space and across the board for our community and this is the complete polar opposite of that you're talking about somebody who has opened the doors for 
everyone really, um, but definitely is poured into our community and definitely us, you know, the advice, the mentorship that she's just given because she took a liking to our mission has just been incredible. Uh, We are very, very privileged to call her a friend. Uh, so yeah, everybody should be familiar with her. Make sure that you take notes. It's it's one that I had to sit back after we finished it. Like, yo, did that just really happen? Wow. Yeah. yeah. She's incredible, man. And so yeah, we we enjoyed it. So shout out to TIA again. Shout out to Wyclef too, who was part of that, who was over there with us. Um, and uh, Lola Brooke was part of that. So shout out to the whole team. It was a dope event. And yeah, she's yeah. a special person. So that comes on tomorrow at one. We about to say in. No, is she the first black woman to manage a trillion? Yeah, probably. Probably. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like we can't downplay how big this moment is. Like, if you yeah. put Oprah and Dolly on one, they had a baby. This, this is her. <laughs> like, please tune in, take yeah. notes three times, please. That's a fact. So she'll, yeah. she'll yeah. So tomorrow, one o'clock Eastern Standard Time, blackout. So shout out to everybody that was highly anticipating the premiere blackout last week. Like I said, we had to push it back, but we're gonna drop blackout. Wednesday, Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day. After you're done with your shenanigans, ten o'clock at night hour for all the lovers. That's your that's your relationship. Um, that's what you should be doing for your relationship. You'll learn a lot too, for sure. And if you're single, you should definitely be watching Blackout. (laughs) So ten o'clock streaming YouTube. Myself, Ian. It's it's some topics, man. It's some topics. Blackout Legendary. premiere, 10 o'clock. Meet us here on Wednesday at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And um, we got a lot to talk about. And the last thing is shout out to Indianapolis. We will be out there for the All-Star Weekend. Yes. And we will yes. be streaming the uh, G League All-Star Game. We have a team, Team EYL. Yep. So shout out to the G League. And um, yeah, check what it out. What is that for the people who don't Sunday, know? Sunday, Sunday morning. Sunday. Uh, Sunday, I think at one actually. Sunday, Sunday yeah, early afternoon. afternoon, yeah. And you know, yeah, yeah. the consensus is that we're the most fair team, uh, which is understandable. We did a lot of homework going into the draft, and um, we expected nothing but victory, right? It's, it's, it's a little round, round robin for teams, and we expect to come out with the championship, and y'all be able to watch it live. So, I'm looking forward That's to fire. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. See y'all this weekend. Yes, sir. Ski Ian announcements. Yeah, Stock Club Call will be this Wednesday at 9 p.m. Central. If I made you money, please put yes in chat. Prices for Stock Club will be out um, tomorrow at 9 p.m. Central. So if you haven't got your prices yet, we get them tomorrow. Um, I will be in Indianapolis for All-Star with the guys supporting them. Shout out to Adam Silver. Um, Shannon and Mike Epps, cut it out. (laughs) Ease up. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. And then next Friday, I'll be doing a free meetup for uh, Red Panda here in Houston. Um, We're going to have like a little Red Panda weekend. So uh, click the link in my bio, check out. uh, Maybe we can put the flyer and all that in here, too. But I I think it was time for me to do a free uh, meetup and bond with the people. So I'm pulling one of y'all moves out the hat trick, you know. Um, Free meetup play. He called called him uh, Wendy Williams with a, a, a weight bench. He just gossiping and he's strong. Got to stop. That's not nice. <laughs> Shout out to Uncle. So here's, here's what we're going to do, That's man. Nice. Let's talk about Apple. Let's talk about Apple, but we got a, we got a special surprise. So Apple released um, their Vision Pro, and it's been going crazy. And, um, you know, of course, we talk about Apple stock all, all the time. But They're tired of us talking about it, Rashad. This will be a first. 
This will be a first where we can actually hey. do a product review of sorts. So we have the, the product. We have the product. Gotta have a product. Okay. Let's give it a go. Let's, let's get the product going. Let's get it going. You gotta walk us through this situation right. while, you're, while you're doing this. All right. So obviously we're here in uh, a, almost like a virtual land in a sense, right? Th these are the the Apple Vision Pro. Um, very light on the eyes, very light on the head, pause. Um, but what you can't see is that this adjustable strap, which I think was pretty creative. They have this uh, kind of turn wheel that actually can tighten and loosen the strap. Um, so I'm tightening it right now. Y'all can't see that. Uh, that in front of me, I'm just looking at the room. So right now I can see everybody here. I can see Shadi standing, sitting next to me here. I see Ian's looking at me. Uh, and I'm just yeah. going to put my passcode in real quick. And so, and this is one of the things that my kids were struggling with earlier this week when we were playing around with it. It was, it's that mind trick that, yes, we're so used to using our hands and, you know, touching things to make things work for us. This is a mindset shift where you actually are using your eyes to change your environment, right? And so imagine just mm. looking at something and now having the hand-eye coordination to say, that's what I want. And so my eyes are looking at numbers and then you have to pinch, right? So it's just simply... And I'm going to move my hands because so you guys can see it. But most times you could just keep your hands um, close to you. So I'm pitching numbers and putting my code in and then it opens up perfectly. All right. And so, again, once you open the screen, you're looking at your environment. And so you see people walking around the streets and you see them on the train. And you're like, I wonder if they can see me. Yes, I can see the entire environment until I click the top button. And now it looks like my iPhone. Right. I have apps. I can scroll across. I'm looking at more apps. Right. They also have Apple TV, which can take you into a whole library of movies. But I think one of the most impressive things, and I had to call Shadi when I saw it, was this immersive component of the Apple Vision Pro. Inside of it, you're completely in a different world. And so you're looking at the environment that you're in. I went into the studio, and if you have the Vision Pro, you can understand what I'm talking about. I went into the studio with Alicia Keys. I know we were talking about her earlier. But this is one of the most innovative things I've ever seen. Or well, you're actually in the studio watching her perform her records, actually doing like rehearsals for a concert. And when you look around the environment, you can see the engineers, you can see the drummers, you can see the guitarists, you can see the vocalists, oh, wow. and you can see her. And you're in the studio watching people take notes and watching her go about it. In my mind, I said, this is going to change the way people are going to view concerts going forward. This is it, right? We always thought about sporting events, like sit in front row, that's immersive. But imagine being in front row of any live event possible and being in your living room and being completely immersive. It's a game changer. That was the first thing I did. The next thing I did was, okay, let me see what this looks like when I go on the internet. Now we talked about it uh, last week when we said Netflix doesn't have an app yet and YouTube doesn't have an app yet. And I was like, that kind of sucks. But you can go on the internet, you can use Safari and go on YouTube, so you can watch that. Inside of there are a few apps. Uh, ESPN has an app. Uh, Disney Plus has an app. And people are like, well, why does Netflix have an app? Uh, why, doesn't Net why does Netflix not have an app and Disney does have an app? Well, what we were reporting early on when the Vision Pro was announced, who were the first streamers that they announced would be a partnership? It was Disney Plus. And so I'm sure somewhere in the contract they were saying to themselves, Disney Plus has to have at least the first 90 days on the Vision Pro. Got you. Okay. Of the other streamers. So it makes sense why Disney Plus is there. But Disney has immersive things as well. I'm sure within the 90 to 120 days, Netflix will be on there and people will be able to stream and watch anything they want. So this is, a, imagine a computer on your face, right? But 
in a sense that it's like I control everything from a, a virtual standpoint. So it's it's almost like virtual computing. Here's the coolest thing, though. As you're watching one program, you're you're allowed to now open other screens. And so in a computer, we have tabs. But on the Vision Pro, your tabs become like huge TV screens. And so the next thing I'm thinking to myself is like, yo, if I have a 56-inch uh, TV screen, but I can make my, I, my Vision Pro up to 17 to 18 feet wide, what happens to oh, wow, TVs yeah. of the future, right? So I literally was watching Scissors concert on Saturday night, 17. It took up my entire living room wall. On my right side, I had the Warriors playing the Suns, and I'm watching that in about a 10-foot TV space. And then I was watching CNBC. I was reading some articles of, about HubSpot and Cloudflare, and we'll talk about that later, on my left side. And so now I have this dimensional space where I'm watching three things that are happening at the same time. I put down the Vision Pro, and I said to myself, this potentially could be the greatest invention in the history of technology. Wow. I'm putting it up there with computer, the original computers, the iPhone, and I'm putting Vision Pro. And the reason I'm saying that is because this is the first iteration of it. Will it get smarter? Will it get more sleek? Yes. A couple of the downfalls, it doesn't really have a power on or off button, or not one that I discovered yet. And so you kind of actually unplug this battery pack from you, which is another one of the, the, the drawbacks, right? In order to use this, you have to carry this battery pack around. Now, I bought two battery packs, so I have about five hours of battery time just in case it runs out. So why is it a drawback? Well, if I'm watching a movie, most movies are over two hours, right? And so if yeah. I have a movie, this is going to die on me. And so I like I, I thought buying the extra battery pack was dope. Um, another thing is that getting used to having visual stimulation be the reason why things move. Um, and so my wife could not, she was struggling all weekend trying to put the passcode in. Her eyes wouldn't move because my eyes have been set to the Vision Pro. But anytime a guest puts it on, it gets recalibrated. Um, so this is, I mean, again, it blew me away. I gotta, I'm gotta, i gonna let him watch um, a couple of the immersive things so he can see it for himself. But yes, the price point is high. I get that, which is why I said future iterations of it, right? Because the price point will come down. It'll get sleeker. They'll figure out this battery thing. This is the wave of the future. I, last thing, last thing. I went into uh, education lab. I'm like, well, how would teachers use this? How could this look in a classroom? So I went into this solar system app. And literally, you're outer space. And as you look around, you can see the entire solar system. But they have something unique where you can change the scales. And so you can change the rotation of each planet to mimic a day, seven days, one month, a year. And you can watch all the planets rotating around the sun. And you can literally move yourself up to each one and look at the dimensions of it. I'm thinking to myself, imagine what they can do from a history standpoint, what they can yeah, do from a science history, standpoint. Yeah. Like, how does education look if these things become sleeker and they become more uniform for that realm of society? We already know what it's going to do in the live space. I'm telling you, it's going to change the game forever. But it also can change education, man. I think they've nailed it with this. Um, the price point is too high, um, so I'm interested to see what the next iterations look like. One of the greatest adventures I've ever seen. So, um, so my so well, that was definitely you know great breakdown, great breakdown experience for sure. Um, and you know, I've always said I've been saying for a long time I thought that um this was gonna be the future of sports because mm -hmm. it's like you know I look I look crazy like this. No, you look cool. You look like I keep, Aspen. I keep on all yeah. right. Yeah. I felt like I felt yeah. like this, this was always gonna be the future of sports because I just feel like um 
why pay $30,000 to sit courtside when you could pay whatever this thing costs, a couple thousand dollars, and then maybe $100 to actually feel like you're courtside, right? Like yeah. now you actually can feel like LeBron is like right next to you, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can actually talk trash to Kyrie in real time and stuff like that. And it's like the the live action events is something that is amazing. Then, yeah, musical aspect as well, concerts, to be able to see your favorite, you know, musician perform. Um, and you're like, work right on their there. album. That, that'd that be pretty cool. I'm telling like, you. Like if, if Kanye would have made like a, a monthly membership on Yeezy to see him build vultures, that would have been... That's yeah, fire. And you're in the studio. It's so crazy. Like they they watch I was watching as the engineer was fixing the guitarist. I think he was out of chord and he came in while she was performing it and he fixed it live. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. I'm trying to figure out where the camera's even placed to get some of these angles. It's 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 that immersive. Wow. Better than the Oculus? Oh, by far. By far. And I didn't do any gaming yet. So I know that's an aspect of it. I haven't done any gaming. I've done live sports. I did a concert. Like I said, I was I was reading um, and I did some of the immersive experiences that Apple has put out. And I'm sure that's going to be the new wave of their content. Right. It went from, yes, we have movies. Yes, we're doing 4K. The next iteration, 3D, the next iteration yeah. will be immersive where everything you look, you're in the environment. And so this is the last thing I'll say about this. There's this uh, woman who does a tightrope over a mountain range. Right. And you're watching her do it. But when you look down, you're seeing what she's seeing. Right. And so you're looking at the full. Mm. You're looking around. And you're saying, wait, she, she's about 3000 feet in the air. Right. You look like, wow, this is crazy. You can see the freckles on her face. It is. It, I haven't experienced anything like it before. How hard is it to actually learn how to use? I think once you get uh, an understanding or a grasp of moving your eyes to the environment, I think it becomes very easy. And so like my son was 10, easy for him. My daughter, she's 12. I mean, I had to take it out of her room to bring it down here. Um, my wife, she was struggling with it a little bit uh, and got a little bit frustrated. So I understand people at, at, and the original starting of it, it can be a little frustrating. But once you get used to, hey, move your eyes, don't move your head as much. You don't have to move your arms, just use your fingers, right? It's very fine tuned in that manner. It becomes very simple. And you tried to pause me, Ian. I saw that. I was like, that's what I'm telling somebody on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, I can still Black see it. Ian. You try to pause me. Man. Yeah, baby, don't use your eyes. So you can use your eyes. Go ahead. To all the fellas, if you don't got a date on Wednesday, get you a vision pro. I'm sure Brittany Renner or somebody got an app. Hey, that's a whole T on the Trump. That's a whole nother immersive experience. Oh, another. Hey. Oh yeah, gaming, gaming. That'll be big for gaming also. Um yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Sam Altman said that it's the second most impressive uh invention that Apple has ever came out with, uh, second to the iPhone. Second. I can believe I, I haven't tried it yet, but I can believe that. Uh they've needed innovation for a long time. Um going back to that Zuckerberg versus Tim Cook battle, I think they are taking this uh metaverse play away from them. Um, well, he actually said the second most impressive technology. Technology. He added a number two. Yeah, to the iPhone. I, I can agree. Damn, I had it at three. So we, I'm right there. What, what was the second one? I had computer. Right. First. Oh yeah. Computer, right. Yeah. The internet. Well, if we put internet computer together, that's one. iPhone, yep. and I'm I'm gonna put this at number three. 
Yeah. Yeah. And this gives them some life. I can't wait to see what they do over the next year. Yeah. Um, but the gaming part, like you said, is going to be huge. The Disney content. Now, if like Moana 2 is immersive and Spider-Man and all that, like if that becomes immersive. Can you imagine what Avatar's, can you imagine what Avatar is going to look like in an immersive environment? That's correct. Right? And I didn't even get into taking the pictures yet because pitch, they're not pictures. They're live moments. All I have to do is look. And now I'm taking a, a live recording of what's happening in front of me. In addition to FaceTime, which is now a, a virtual space, they actually choreograph your face based on everything you, when you look into the, to the uh, the sensors. And now when I call FaceTime, it'll be like an artifact. I would say an AR version of me talking to you. It's it's oh, wow. crazy, man. It's really crazy. Rashad, you gonna get one? It's gonna be. I got. Yeah, sure. The tutorial. We gotta pull up an all star and get it. I gotta wait for the third version. You know, I gotta wait for the the Cartier glasses version. <laughs> can't walk around with this. That's what you know. That's why because the, the first cell phone was like a brick, right? Mm -hmm. And then it gets smaller oh, yeah. and smaller and smaller and more efficient. So that's what's gonna happen. Like five years from now, this thing is gonna be like contact lenses, really. Yeah, but um, the glasses. The glass is definitely going to be like, you know, down the line. It's going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, yeah. Yeah. Home run. It's a home run. Home run. And Apple sponsored the Super Bowl. 50 million. Great return on investment. Yeah. How many people watch? Uh, I don't have the number yet, but I know Apple paid 50 million for the halftime show. It was interesting because when you looked at the CEOs that were in attendance, you had Elon there. And then mm -hmm. you had Tim Cook, but I thought it was dope that he was he was there, but he was showing the Vision Pro to the celebrities who had come to Super Bowl. Smart. So I, I saw Shannon Sharp and I saw Ocho using the Vision Pro for the first time, and they had the same exact experience I had when I first saw it on. Like, wow, I've never seen yeah. anything like this. This is different. That's dope. Yeah, uh, a good book is uh, oh, it was an essay by Sarah Blakely of Spanx. Um, she has an article about doing things that don't scale. So used to, she used to walk into like Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom and sell every manager on the product uh, to see Tim Cook still be active and doing that at the world biggest business conference is uh, amazing. And then as a result, you'll see a lot more influencers start to talk about it and use it. So um, I think that's a good business lesson. No matter how big you get, you still need to approach people and show them your product and how it works uh, to be able to get even more market share. So kudos to Timmy Cook and Apple. I know y'all tired of me talking about Apple, but if I made you money, please put yes in chat. It work. It is working. No, it's working. So yeah. all right. Well, 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 well monitor. Cartier, the Rashad need a metavert like I mean, he need a <laughs> Apple Vision Cartier play. Please. Maddie yeah. J. They gotta put the chip in the screen. That that might mess yeah, up please. the screen, though. Huh? They gotta put the chip in the screen. No, it won't mess it up. It'll be it'll be invisible. Got to put the invisible because the, 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 it's going to be tinted anyway. So I'm talking about the, fire. the actual frame. Like where are you going to put the computer aspect of it? Well, what is it? Oh. when when Ray Ban did it, the the frame is a little bit thicker. So it yeah, for the chips to go in. Yeah, yeah. They'll figure, figure it. They'll figure yeah. it out. They'll figure it out. But speaking about figuring it out, um, airline sector. Is the airline sector going to need a bailout? I think so. Um, when I was looking, um, if you look at ULCC, their last high was five years ago. JetBlue, their last high was three years ago. Um, Southwest, their last high was three years ago. 
United Airlines last house was in 2019. Delta last house was in 2019. Some um, are doing okay or they're stable, but they haven't made new highs in three to five years. Um, I know there have been attempts at mergers, and I normally don't like those in the airline space, but if the entire sector is doing bad and no money is going to go into them and outflows are from the hedge funds are con uh, considerably going out quarter over quarter, like, what are they going to do? Um, I think a part of the issue, of course, everyone wants flights for cheaper. Things cost more. Gas prices continue to fluctuate. But I don't think, given the issue that we've had with uh, United Airlines, there's not enough money being poured back into the planes and experience is not the best. Um, I've always hated this category to, to invest in long term. But I'm wondering, do they need a bailout to prevent some of these companies from going out of business. We've seen it in a small banking community. They have a lot of issues right now. And um, I'm just worried if they don't get a bailout or if some changes are not made, two or three of these will go out of business in the future. So keep your eye on that. But what do you guys think? Do they need a bailout or should we just let them go out of business? Let what? Let who go out of business? S some of these airlines. Like who? JetBlue's underperforming. Alaska's underperforming. American mm -hmm. Airlines is underperforming. Spirit. Well, I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't let every airline. Like, then how would you fly? I agree. Right? No, I'm not saying let all of them. Should we let some, or do they need money pumped into the sector to make the airlines more competitive? It's tough, man. Um, when you think about, especially people who travel, uh, you, you, as you can see, right the the, the way we're traveling has changed. The amount of space that you're getting on these seats has changed, but the price limited, have, right? And the prices even have with the God, I was like, what plane is this? Soul plane? <laughs> Shout out to Delta. Um, the 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 space has has gone down, but the, the prices have increased. Um, yeah, which you know, for the average family, you got to take that into account when you're talking about discretionary spending. How much money will you yeah. have to even travel? Um, there are a lot of these airlines, but I think one of the things we need to look at is who's making the planes, right? So when you talk about Alaska, why, well, why is Alaska trailing? Well, why why are we seeing it decline? Well, that the incident that they had when a door flies off, that doesn't help the stock. But Boeing's making that plane, right? And so when we see Boeing get affected because of the these are this is how it works. It's a trickle down effect. Who makes the plane? Yep. So the first is the company that gets affected, then the maker of the plane gets affected. And so since Boeing has struggled over the past three to four years and they haven't had quite figured it out on the 737, the entire industry has, has taken it's gonna suffer. Uh, it's gonna take a hit and it has suffered for a bit. Um and it goes back to one of your golden rules that not investing in things that have an engine or a motor. And every yeah. time I see reports like this, it reminds me of why that's such a good rule if I'm yeah. beginning in investing, because some of these things are not in your control, right? How, how do you control that, right? When they did the investigation of why the do door flew off, they said that, you know what, a few of the screws weren't tightened. How, like, as a, as a shareholder, these things are not in your control. Yeah, you quick turnaround time on flight. They barely clean the planes properly. You can't do like a proper inspection if it's flying from LA to New York and, or LA to Newark. Like, I think, uh, and Boeing has recovered some, but, I mean, if we look at 2001, they went up a lot, then came back down in 2008 and 9, crashed in 2020. They haven't got back to those highs. So I think right. 
when I'm looking at like American exceptionalism, we'll talk about China later. Um, there's a few industries that need to improve and we can't put all of our weight in on technology, AI, chip manufacturing, but some of the industrial plays like this and infrastructure have to improve and the entire sector of airlines is fucked up right now. Right. Like right. if I had to, if you gave me a million dollars to put into airlines, I couldn't tell you one that I would comfortably be able to, to invest in for a two or three year period that would give me a great return. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Pre-pandemic, Boeing was trading over four hundred dollars. At at peaked at four twenty-two in two thousand nineteen, it yep. has gotten above two hundred, but it's been sitting in that consolidation between one hundred and seven hundred eighty to to around two twenty for the past two to three years. Uh, yep. And now it's on a downtrend right now after you know some of the incidents that's been happening with the seven thirty-seven. So interesting to watch. Uh, but if I had to. I probably, I mean, Boeing is, you know, when it, when you talk about government contracting and something that's not going to go out of business, yeah, that that probably won't go out of business, right? When we're talking about the yeah. amount of money that the government can spend and them having contracts with them, um, but yeah, it's, it's a tough space to 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 dump money in for me, for me personally. Absolutely. So I would stay away from all airlines right now. What's your theory again for people that just um, started watching? Uh, stay away from anything, any company that has an engine um, as a main product. I know some people are going to say, what about Tesla? Tesla is really a technology play with a little bit of solar masquerading as an automotive company, because if so, they wouldn't have the current valuation that they do have. Because it's maybe nine or 10 automotive companies that are outselling Tesla if you're looking at top line revenue. Mm -hmm. um, so if it's a cruise line airline automotive company i won't invest in because the cost is too high and those assets uh depreciate too fast when they are taken off the lot those assets y'all assets yep yep <laughs> so, i mean if, if y'all can buy it if you want to for your personal life but in the stock leave it alone yeah so let's talk about um we have a, a guest that we're gonna have a conversation with but before that let's talk about the s p 500 hit all-time high um and it's still running so the number one question obviously is going to be is it too late to invest mm -hmm. in the s p 500 and um here's a fun fact for you guys in case you didn't know yeah uh so the s p 500 is at an all-time high we know nvidia just keeps going nasdaq qqq the stock market is going up right um since 1952 Dang. The market has never had a down year when an incumbent president is running for re-election. What is incumbent? That's somebody who's already in office, right? So it's never had a down year in almost 70, 72 years. 72 years, the stock market has not had a down year when a president that is in office that's running for re-election is running during an, during an election year. Yeah. And obviously, Joe Biden is in office and he's running, at least now. He might drop out. Who knows? But at least now he's still running. So, um, you know, it's a couple of theories on this. But in layman's terms, um, you know, why if you the White House has a lot of influence, right? As far as Treasury Department and different things of that nature. Um, why would you not want the economy to do well when you're up for reelection? So you Absolutely. use all you use all the tools at your disposal to make sure that the economy is running well for the year that you um 
it's like going to a to a job interview, right? Like you're gonna make sure you get a haircut, you're gonna make sure that everything is done correctly to put yourself in the best position possible. And let's not forget Jerome Powell, who is the chair of the Federal Reserve. Yes. And if you're not familiar, so for the people that say presidents have no power, that's not entirely, that's not actually true. They don't have absolute power, but they have some, they have power. So yeah. who appoints the chair of the Federal Reserve? Civics question for anybody in the chat. Do you know? Do you know? Jeopardy time. Do, 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 you, do, do you guys know? You're going to educate nope, us right now. <coughs> the president of the United States. Ding, 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 so, ding. Yep. Jerome Powell theoretically could still work even if um, his boss gets fired, but probably not. I would have. Trump a, said he's out of there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so he's going to, so it's just human nature, right? He's yeah. going to do, he, he wants to keep his job, I assume, right? So he's going to do his best job possible to make sure the economy yeah. is up and up because it's probably his last days working if Trump gets elected. So there's, there's a trickle. Death. Like now you start to see that there's a domino effect here. It's not just one person loses a job. If Biden goes down, his whole administration goes, especially yeah. Trump. He's not keeping anybody. So yeah. there's gonna need no crowd. Everybody going. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a white, there's a white house machine that pumps this economy, pumps the stock market during election years to make sure that the president has the best chance of winning. You as an investor should know that because it's key. You should know if, if the stock market has it now, is it 100% guaranteed? No, anything can happen, mm -hmm. but it's a high probability that mm -hmm. it doesn't hurt. Yeah. And I, I think what, what, what Powell has in his favor, even if, if Biden isn't reelected, which is unfortunate is that you look at the track record, right? If you look at, the the market over the past four years, the Dow, the S and P S and P went over five thousand for the first time. Nasdaq was historic, very, historic, right? The Nasdaq yeah. is very close. I'm sure it probably will at some point hit its all time high. These numbers, the the Dow went over thirty thousand for the first time during this administration. So yeah, the the numbers are there. The history shows that they've done a great job. That he's done a good job as as a Fed chair, but sometimes good isn't great enough. Um, so yeah, it, it's not rock party. <laughs> Sometimes good isn't got to be elite, enough. but if we look at it, we only had one bad year while he's been chair. Like 2022 was rough, but yeah. if we look at the rise of NVIDIA, AMD's resurgence, Meta, that's because of the policy. So it helps to know what the treasury and, and Fed chair is going to do to know the temperament yeah. to allow you to see if they're going to allow the economy to grow. Cause there's a bunch of ways he could have played the inflation angle, he could have dropped rates really fast, really aggressively. Yeah. I think he did a good job of managing that ship in the middle of a storm. Yeah, like without that policy, we, we would not be here today. He's been pretty adamant about getting it back down to two percent. And I mean, they people were expecting going into the air that March would be the first rate, uh, Fed rate cut, but it didn't happen. But look, you still got June, you still got July, you still got all of the summer leading up to the election where you can cut a quarter, half a percent. Yeah. I mean, you got these tools at your discretion. So, I mean, that only helps you, use right? You start seeing, seeing inflation go down, CPI numbers. Everything is indicating that this is a positive environment for the market. So, yeah, yeah. election years sometimes help. So, speaking of politics and the government, um, we have a guest. Yeah. 
uh, or segment. Uh, yes. Um, we will bring up the esteemed guests. So, um, Rick Wade, I think. Can we bring him up? Hey, how are you? Right away. Hey, how, how you doing, bro? How you feeling, man? How are you? Good, 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 good. So I'll just give a quick background. So Rick Wade is the senior vice president of strategic alliances and outreach at the United States Chamber of Commerce. So um, the Chamber of Commerce is the world's largest business organization. And I, I got familiar with the Chamber of Commerce when I was a financial advisor. And we used to I used to always try to go to like Chamber of Commerce networking events, stuff like that. So um, I'll let him explain it. But if you're not familiar with the Chamber of Commerce and you're, and you're in business, then you're doing yourself a tremendous tremendous disservice so we got introduced through a mutual friend kwame uncle when we were in ghana yeah um, i think we met in the lobby well right. you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. kwame made the introduction right no we just met in the lobby and uh we were talking and we like i love what you guys do i'm like oh really <laughs> and we just started <laughs> having general conversations then we started having hey we we have common uh people that you know we we are considered friends amongst us and it was like oh every time we saw each other it was like okay this is great we need to figure out how we can do something together yeah and now we're here which is incredible yeah so but before he was in government he was in the private sector as well so he has some perspective on both sides but we spoke and i just felt like it was a, a great um resource that uh the public should be aware of as far as the chamber um what do they do different um advantages that you could be taking place of especially as a black um business owner so um yeah it's a, it's a variety of different questions that we have so first and foremost thank you for joining us appreciate it yeah good to get, good to be here brother thank you for having me. i appreciate it so um can you explain like what the chamber of commerce is the mission of the chamber of commerce for people because i have a suspicion that a lot of people that are listening to this might not be familiar with the chamber of commerce yeah you know i i think for us the chamber of commerce is probably the, the best kept secret when it comes to doing business what is domestically around the world. But think of us as the world's largest business organization representing the interests of all of them, most of American companies. We represent some 3 million companies. And, and, and if it's in the area of advocacy, which means lobbying, that's a fancy word to say lobbying in government affairs, but, but also business to business. Uh, some people, excuse me, think of state and local chambers. I mean, I'm in DC, there's a DC chamber. There's like 4,000 of them across America. And they're part of what we call a federation of state and local chambers. We have what's called the American Chambers of Commerce in 122 countries around the world. You know, you're right, we saw each other in Ghana. There's a US Ghana American Chamber of Commerce. There's a US India uh, America Chamber of Commerce. So it really is a powerful business network in our ability to, to one, convene, and therefore be able to affect policy and that's extremely important because you know this is about us being at the table uh when policy is even a uh, a uh, uh, design so we affect the environment in which business has to innovate to operate to succeed and to grow and so that's at the whether it's working with members of congress working with the white house at the state level working with governors or at the city level working with the mayor and city council. So it's an extraordinary network uh, and one that has been around 100 years. But I would argue that the chamber is probably the most powerful networking places if you want to do business and grow and expand. Being connected to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is critically important. 
Yeah, so we, you talked about innovation, and one of the things we talk about here a lot is technology. And so, obviously, being at the Commerce, I wonder what type of things are being done or what type of initiatives can be done to help initiate people in our community to be in that that sector, right? Because we talk about being a seat at the table, and we know if we're not at the table in technology, we're going to get left behind. And we always talk about the next five years being super important around being that. So what kind of things does the, the, the chamber do to make sure that these initiatives are going through? Well, I mean, I mean, if you think of technology, well, it's not just a sector, but I mean, the whole economy, our whole world is is tech enabled, I would argue. But, yeah. you know, but whether it's in tech and healthcare or, or health tech or, you know, how we think about providing services uh, uh, through technology, whether it's education, uh, we actually have a whole division which the chamber is organized by issues and and sector if you will we have the international vision we actually what's called ctech chamber technology engagement center these are all the major companies you know major and mid-sized and small companies that are helping to shape policy around tech uh so you know i don't know how we avoid not being a part of tech i mean you, you think of ai uh you think of uh supply chains dis disruptions uh which now led that's now led to the biggest investment we've ever seen in, in chips and semiconductor industry. I mean, all of that really, when you think about e-commerce, all of that, I mean, it's all the, the common thread is tech. And, you know, and I would argue that if you are a, a black owned business, a small owned businesses, business or even a large owned business, I mean, it's tech that, it, that, 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 that creates that opportunity, connects us to uh, various markets. I mean, you were talking earlier when we met in Ghana, I mean, one of the big areas that I'm focused on is how do we get more of us thinking about exporting? I mean, because the reality is, you know, while we you know, love America and we're here, 95 percent of the world's consumers are outside of our borders. And the one commonality uh, that we all have access to is technology. Uh, when we think about how we sell our, and market our products to those 95 percent of consumers who live all around the world. So and, and that's that those are the kind of things that we lead and, and that we engage on. And it's just a valuable resource. The U.S. Trump Chamber and his network. If I let's say I'm starting a business in 2024, what are like three to five tips you can give a new business owner for how they can use the platform to help grow their business this year? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's everything from, you know, you, one, you got to show up. I mean, and, 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 and leveraging the network. I mean, when you think about three million companies, uh, whether it's building those ties, which I think oftentimes we we got to rethink, are we in the right rooms or not? And I think the chamber is that place uh, that provides the right room for you to build the relationships that you're going to need, one, networking, two, you think about the barrier that still is uh, confront. Uh, Black-owned businesses and minority business in general is access to capital, and so I think that's another one that we have to think strategically about. And I mean, you guys know this because I've been I've been checking you out from afar for for several years. Uh, I mean, you know the data, whether it's the one two percent of venture capital, whether it's you know the debt and lending from financial institutions uh, that that opens up and frees up more lending. And another area on capital side that, that I spent a lot of time when I was in the Obama administration at the U.S. Department of Commerce is what we call foreign direct investment. All of that foreign investment that comes into the United States. And so I think one, that tip around networking. Two is understanding capital and the flow of capital and what that means for a startup or innovator or even established business. You've got to have access to capital. 
And, and, and then I, I think the third one, which is something that uh, I'm deeply involved in, and we're going to launch a real innovative platform, hopefully in the, in, in the first quarter, no, no later than the second quarter of this year, is connecting the corporate supply chains. Uh, again, whether that's domestically or, or, or abroad. Uh, and, and how do we think about joint ventures? How do we think about getting access to all of those corporate supply chains? Uh, there's an organization that the National Minority Supply Development Council, which certifies as, certifies minority business in America, as an example. I mean, there are 8 million minority-owned companies across the United States, of which about 2.6 million or more are, are Black-owned. And I, mean, I was looking at some of the data in MSDC, and I believe they're certified maybe about 15,000. So whether you're certified or not, you, you see the gap that exists when we think about engaging black and minority owned businesses. And so this platform that we're looking to launch uh, uh, again is designed to be an ecosystem, if you will, that brings buyers and suppliers that drop knowledge and information all together through one seamless platform. So networking, access to capital and getting connected to corporate supply chain, I think are three things that, that I focus on, I think are really critical to growing and expanding opportunities, particularly among black owned companies. So you said um, that 95% of the customers of the world are outside of America. And obviously we met you in Ghana. Um, and you know, obviously you were on uh, Obama, Obama's team and now you're, you're with the Chamber of Commerce. So you have a good perspective of businesses, black businesses in America, right? What do you think are some of the issues that, let's talk about black businesses specifically um, when it comes to black businesses. Cause I have a theory that a lot of black businesses just start, they start the wrong type of business, right? They're not scalable. They're not designed to reach uh, international audience. They're more like mom and pop local um, situations where you just become an employee of your, of just yourself. And that's difficult to scale. So looking at it from, you know, your view, what are some of the things that black businesses are doing wrong and how can they improve to compete in this global economy that we're in now? But, you know, you're right. I mean, I mean, the reality is most black owned businesses are small. I mean, one, two, three employees, they're in, in services, professional services and, and in that nature. You know, I think I think part of the problem is that we've not been exposed to some of this knowledge. And and it is that exposure, I think, that is extremely important. I mean, again, I mean, you think about the international marketplace where 95 percent consumers are. Nobody ever taught me uh, how to think about exporting an international trade. I mean, it was when I. Uh, after the, the the day after inauguration of President Obama, and I was one of the architects of his first campaign, we didn't have a commerce secretary. And I was asked to go hold down the fort at the United States Department of Commerce. And probably within you know, you know, three, four months, the international department approached me as the highest ranking official at the Department of Commerce and says, you know, because you're the highest ranking political appointee from President Obama, you're gonna have to lead this trade mission to India. Hell, I, I've never really been much out of the United States and continental. I'm not counting Bahamas and places like that. So that was my really first experience in understanding and going to Mumbai and Chennai and New Delhi and places like that and understanding even the, you know, the idea of being exposed to trade and business in another country. And, and since then, I've been totally immersed in it. But my point in saying that, you know, one of the barriers or one of the ways we just have to rethink how we do business that means how we start businesses follow the money follow the opportunities and again i think you know 
foreign and exporting is a unique and new but valuable opportunity to it must be to our growth strategy and you know and, and this you know one of the issues i got oftentimes with, with with leaders i mean you know whether it's i mean you all i've heard you all talk about our political leaders i mean folks don't come to our churches and communities talking about china and india and trade and exporting uh and we have to change that and demand a conversation that brings more dialogue and knowledge and access and resources from all of these federal agencies good friend of mine rita joe lewis who's the first black woman chair of the export import bank most people in america don't even know what that is and so you know, one of the goals that i have is like bridging this knowledge gap uh with the information that exists uh and getting that information to our black owned enterprise across the country it's just a knowledge gap as well because we know we don't have a lack of businesses but we do have a lack of high growth businesses that are competing in these in industries that are not only shaping and changing America, but shaping and changing the world. You, you spoke about the exposure piece, and I think that's vitally important, right? And the education comes with that, right? When you go to new places, you get to learn new things. So you spoke about India and China, but we met you in Africa. So I want to know your thoughts around the rising economies there, the workforce, the opportunities, right? When we're talking about import, export, we're talking about business development. What are your thoughts around Africa and maybe specifically in, in Ghana? Listen, I think Africa, um, you know, is is the is the new economy of the world. Uh, you know, we have a whole U.S. Africa business center at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce that strategically focuses on countries across the continent of Africa. And, you know, whether it's Ghana or Rwanda or other parts of, of Africa, it's just rich with opportunity. I mean, you mentioned workforce. I think one of the most fascinating things that 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 we need to recognize is the average age across the continent is only 19 years of age. And when you think about mm. the aging workforce in America, uh, 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 the, the, the workforce uh, is shrinking, it's becoming younger. The workforce in other countries around the world is shrink is shrinking. We have to think about Africa and these young people as being the future of work, not just across the continent, but around the world. So I just think Africa is just rich with opportunity. And you, you're right, even in Ghana, I mean, I spent a lot of time meeting with some of the local entrepreneurs there. And, and, and you know, one of the things I've learned is, again, it's not a lack of innovators and entrepreneurs, but it's capital. And a small amount of capital that we can get into the hands of some of those young innovators and entrepreneurs in Ghana, it's just invaluable. So we're working on that part and that, that whole construct or ecosystem that I talked about, talked about uh, and getting more of uh, 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 black owned business connected to corporate supply chain, that actually extends across the diaspora. Uh, and that is one of my priorities as well. How can we get those uh, entrepreneurs in the continent doing business across the diaspora? And so, yeah, I think Africa is the future. I really believe that and the data is clear. Uh, and I think we have to lean in on America policy, but as well as drive more American investment uh, into Africa and understand for us as entrepreneurs what the opportunities to export from Africa could mean to the United States and across the world. Um, if someone's inspired tonight watching you, what would be like the five best businesses to build in Ghana or on the continent of Africa for this year and this decade? But, you know, I, I think I think it's just everything, man. I, you know, obviously the number one, if you look at, again, we're investment. And that's one of the measures that I look at 
from the United States and other countries, energy. It, it's just huge. Africa has such a tremendous need for energy. Uh, I mean, you guys have been a, across the continent, I imagine. It's not uncommon for you to lose power you know, at night. or uh, this, And you cannot have business without sources of energy. So I think in energy, uh, whether that's in solar or other types of energy, is just is wide open. I think in infrastructure is another area that's just rich with opportunity. I mean, you don't have to travel too far, uh, you know, from Accra, Ghana, or another rural parts to know that you know the roads and bridges and how we think of infrastructure to include the technology infrastructure is just wide open for investment and opportunity. Another area that, uh, uh, you know, I think sometimes we sleep on uh, is kind of demystifying the products that we can export from Africa, uh, not only in terms of, 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 of raw minerals and, and all, of the, uh, all of those kinds of things, but what about clothing? And, and I mean, I, I've been working with a sister from Africa on her shea butter exports. And it's just all kind of products like that. I, 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 laugh and I, I laugh at myself because I got fascinated with this certain brand of cookie that's made in Africa that's more healthy than perhaps a lot of cookies. And I have a cookie addiction. But imagine if we can get a product like that in corporate supply chains. I don't know. You know, you know it's not uncommon, obviously, when you're flying on an airplane, you always get that little Biscoff cookie. I'm trying to disrupt yeah. that. And you get just small things like that that we just don't think about. The products that we can import from the continent of Africa and Ghana in particular, because that's where you know you, we all met. Uh, I just think it's rich, but you have to rethink. And then the last thing I want to say about Africa, and, and you know, we have a whole road show uh, called Advancing with Africa. Some of this is about demystifying and debunking our perception of Africa. And, and, and so we have a whole effort to try to demystify and, and, and debunk a lot of perceptions that we have about the continent. But you've been there. I mean, you saw it firsthand. I mean, Africa is just rich with economic opportunity. And we're going to lean in on it. Yeah, I, I just I, I want to add to that, too. I just feel like because that's a common question. Um, I feel like the best thing that people can do is go to yes. any country. Well, like, let's say Ghana, go to Ghana just as a tourist and just make observations. I was just there just making observations. As you said, the infrastructure, that's one of the things that I noticed. And a lot of times, most people will look at something as like, oh, this, the road is bad. But an entrepreneur look at it like that's an opportunity, opportunity. to start paving yep. roads, right? Or like they don't really have sidewalks. Okay, that's an opportunity for sidewalks. There's one thing that I noticed that I don't want to speak about publicly because I actually have an idea about this. But um, I just got to figure out. But I say that to say, I think that everybody should go if you're interested, because that's a question that you get like, what, what business should I start? What business should I start? We met a, we met somebody that um, was telling us about a, a, a gentleman that started a porta porter potty business and made millions of dollars off of porta potties because there was no porta potties in Ghana at that time. And then all the construction sites, you know, you need porta potties. Who's thinking about that? Right. Like this hard. It would be hard for somebody to tell you, go to Africa and start a porta potty business. But if you're if you're in the business and you go there yeah, and you realize that there's no porta potties, then you might say, "Oh, hmm, this this is a business that's worth starting." But there's so many, I think, things that um, are needed, right? Um, that it's really up to you to kind of figure out what you're passionate about, what you have knowledge about, what you have relationships about. But the best way, like you said, just to de just to demystify the situation is to actually get on the ground, talk to the locals take a trip, ride, 
see what's going on, be observant. And then you as an intelligent person can kind of make your own decision. But I want to ask you about the chamber um, for entrepreneurs. What is the inboarding process? Like, let's say, okay, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur because the, the point of the chamber of commerce is, is it's a networking organization, right? Like you get to go to meetings and you get to meet other people in different areas. So let, let's say I'm in banking, right? I get to meet somebody who's in insurance. I get to meet somebody who's in investing. I get to meet. So now me as a finance, that's why I used to go. Cause as a financial advisor, you these chamber, they like, I had like, a, it was like local chambers and they have um, meetings and they only let like one person in per industry at, at that meeting at the, like the local chamber level. So it'd be like one insurance guy, one investing guy, one CPA, and then you all kind of network with each other. Okay. I'll give you clients. You give me clients opportunities and stuff like that. So, What's the onboarding process for entrepreneurs to get into a chamber um, commerce and what's best practices for them to get the, the best results out of the chamber? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, you raise a good point. I mean, I think there's a value uh, if you're a local business to being connected to that local chamber. These are all three different levels of membership and engagement. Same with the state chamber. I mean, if you're really trying to do business statewide in a given state, I would suggest you really should be involved in the state chamber of commerce where you live. But if you really want to do business, you know, think of us again as the national organization that's engaging corporations that are that's engaging opportunities abroad across across the world. Then the U.S. Chamber is a place that you should think about membership. And you can go to each of these. I mean, go to uschamber.com, and I think it, there's a link there that can direct you to one of our membership uh, 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 officers. And you know, and, and it's based on what your interests are. Uh, they'll talk with you. Of, you know, are you interested in tech? Are you interested in exporting? Are you interested in cyber? Uh, uh, you know, they'll talk with you about your revenue and your growth strategy, and trying to make sure that your experience as a member is rewarding and beneficial. Uh, for you as a member company. But again, I can't under, I, I just can't emphasize the value uh, of the ability to meet uh, individuals, to meet companies, to meet global leaders. You know, I'll give you an example uh, of, of a brother whose name you would recognize, uh, Isaiah Thomas, who's a very good friend. I'm talking about the, the, the old Isaiah. The younger one or the older one? The older the old one. The older one. Zeke. Okay. <laughs> Come on, Zeke. <laughs> yeah, but Zeke, man, you know, you know, people don't know about Zeke. I only use this as an example, but, uh, uh, you know, he has everything from Sherilyn Champagne. He's in real estate, but he's also doing business, a lot of business in the country of Colombia. And so I brought him in. He's a member of the chamber. He's a member of the International Division. He's now had a pleasure to meet with the president of Colombia and get to know all of those government officials and other private sector partners who are good for his business in Colombia. And so I get my point in saying that, and there are others, but I only use him, use him as an example, is you, 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 know, you have to think about what you want from these organizations. And there are more organizations that you can be member, have a membership in. But I think it, you, 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 you need to think about what you want in return and the value of a membership and being in the chamber to help you reach your business goals. And I just want to just real quick, because I, I just want to hammer this point down, because so as a business owner, you're up against a lot to be successful as a black business owner. You're up against even more to be successful. Right. So we talk about networking and relationships and stuff like that a lot. But people don't like, like, how do I what does that mean? How do I build relationships? How do I get in front of the right people? So 
this is something that, you know, this is like you said, there's, there's other organizations, but the Chamber of Commerce is one organization as a business owner that you can actually join. And now you can actually go to different events. And like you said, you get what you put into it, right? So if you join and you're just a ghost member, you, you never do anything, then you're not going to get anything out of it. But if you're active and maybe you work your way up the ranks, right? And you meet this person, meet that person, you have to put yourself in positions to win. So this is something that's extremely beneficial for entrepreneurs to build their network and to meet people and to cultivate relationships because ultimately that's going to get you into the next door. So I just wanted to kind of hammer that point home for people that might not fully understand the importance of it. That's, that's the reason why an organization like the Chamber of Commerce is important. Um, and why you as a business owner should be looking at any type of organization that you can to be active, to add value, to meet people, to, you know, be a treasurer, whatever you can be to kind of move up the ranks, because ultimately that's only going to end up helping you. That was a message. really quick. Um, I know we talk all the time about giving value before um, all of you, like if they were to join chamber of commerce this month, like what are some things they can do? to actually be valuable to the members and the organization there. Cause I think we hear it as a buzz phrase, but I don't know if many people have a framework to actually be helpful or valuable. What would you do if you were starting a new business and you joined, what would be like the first three things you would try to do to, to give the most value to the members, members there? To, to, you mean to give a value to the, the business, the new member who's joining the chamber or for them to give value to the U.S. chamber? Because those are two different questions. No, no, to give value to the chamber. Because I think you have to give first in order to be able to receive. That's right. Listen, brother, one of the things that, to, in terms of giving value to the chamber, that we have to be smart and do more of is show up in these policy conversations. I mean, I testify on Capitol Hill all the time. And in fact, I'm there this week meeting with the Congressional Black Caucus. And we don't have enough of us who are showing up on the policy side of this work. Again, I would argue because, you know, oftentimes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for us to show up and trying to beg folks to come in and, and, and meet with the White House on some of these regulatory policies, on, on tax issues and, and things that shape how successful we are or not on international trade agreements. Again, I don't know that we've been exposed to that, but we need more of us to show up in these rooms that literally I, have, I watch it. I mean, I've done a lot. This has been my career. These rooms, whether it's in, on Capitol Hill or in your state legislatures, in committees, uh, this is where you can be made, made or you can be broken because this is where the policy is made. The regulations are advanced and promulgated that shape business success in America. And so we need more people to show up. That's how you can contribute in helping the chamber and certainly the work that I do uh, is being a part of that dialogue, taking time to, to, to understand the issues that affect your company uh, on the political, the, the policy side, and also how that extends into the politics. Because our vote matters when we can align our vote with our economic challenges and our economic opportunities. I don't know that we ask our candidates and elected officials the right questions. And, and so even on the political side, which, you know, again, I, I come from as well, you know, we got to really advance an agenda and be a part of an agenda that, that supports the growth of black businesses and our economic 
opportunity and closing this wealth gap. So we got to show up. So, so I, I just want to stay right there for the, the regulation and policies because, I mean, being a part of the commerce, the future of work is changing, right? And so if we look at the yeah. landscape, I wonder how you guys view it or how you're addressing the changes that are coming from technology. Are you viewing it as an opportunity or is it more of a detriment to say, like, we need to be careful and need to have security around the future of work in regards to AI, generative AI, automation? How, how is the commerce seeing this? Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, AI and, and technology and, and in terms of the future work is an extremely important issue to the private sector generally. And, and it's viewed more of an asset than a liability. But I think for, for, for African-Americans in particular, and, you know, and the research has proven, we have to be really concerned about the, the, the impact of AI and technology uh, in displacing workers. What does that mean? That means we got to think about, do we have the skills? To compete yeah. for these technology-driven jobs of the future, and, and 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 that means rethinking even the curriculums from K through 12 to HBCUs, and preparing our young workforce for these jobs that are going to be at a minimum automated or technology types of jobs. I don't know what won't be uh, driven by technology. And one of the areas that I'm focused on that 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 that, that as, you, as you think about this. You know, the, the, the millions of people without jobs and millions of jobs without people is second chance hiring. I'm doing a, a lot around that. How do we get those who've been formerly incarcerated back into our workforce? So that's a big priority within my department at the chamber, uh, whether it's the policies or, or getting more companies to make commitments to give people a second or a third or a fourth chance in this case. I mean, just because you had a a a a a a a a a a a a conviction and a minor crime ought not prevent you from getting the job especially in a time when again there are millions of jobs without people and millions of people without jobs so workforce is the big issue but the technology piece is front and center and and we have to we have to be a part of that in terms of making sure we have the skills to be able to compete for those jobs Rick, before before we let you go, I wanted to ask a question um, about diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, and mm -hmm. then um, a lot of that is being reversed, or a lot of corporations are backing away from that, pulling money from black initiatives. Um, what's your thoughts on the current landscapes of that? You know, I, I think it's a great question, and um, one of the ways that I'm approaching this, and that we are at the chamber. Uh, because you're right. I mean, I think sadly enough in America, uh, DNI has become a political football. Uh, it's not just a moral imperative that we continue to invest and understand uh, why diversity, equity, and inclusion matters. But there is truly a business case. I mean, you, you know, you look at McKinsey and their research that companies that are more diverse at the executive team are more profitable. I mean, I'm not making that up. That's data. Uh, you look at the workforce challenges and the makeup of the, of the workforce in 2050 and beyond. It's going to be majority minority. So the way I think about that, if we have skills gaps now among these populations, we need to invest in closing those skills gaps today so that they can compete in the future. You look at the data around supply diversity. I mean, it, the data is clear that minority suppliers are more innovative. They actually create a cost savings for companies. And so the way we lead this is around the business and economic case. I'm trying to stay out of the political 
and the politics. I get that. But 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 we we're trying to advance and continue to advance the business case. In fact, uh, you may or may not be aware, but I mean that's part of this meeting on this week with the Congressional Black Caucus that you know they sent a letter to all the S and P five hundred companies, uh, wanting to know where are you in reaffirming your commitment to DNI. Uh, they're asking questions like, yeah, you know, since George Floyd murder, uh, you know, what some three four hundred billion dollars of companies pledged or announced. And, you know, they're asking tough questions around accountability in this space. Uh, and so it is about how we can all work together to not only reaffirm, but make sure uh, that this work continues, not for the sake of just being the right thing to do, but it's good for our economy. It's good for the workers in the workforce of the future. And when these companies can connect it to supply chains and connect it to access to capital, they also create jobs in the communities in which they exist. So it's all a win-win to me. And, and that's how we're leading. And that's my message that I preach across the country, that there's a business and economic case. And we can't afford to lose ground in that regard. For those, uh, my, my, also, my, last, my last question to you, Rick, is this. We, we spoke about China, obviously, the importance of Africa. Are there other emerging markets that we should be keeping our eyes on uh, for us the next five to 10 years? Indeed. Well, I, listen, I just think the world is wide open in areas that perhaps oftentimes we don't think about. But, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in India. I talked about it earlier. Um, you know, I, I think even in, 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 in economies that are having to be rebuilt, uh, whether it's Ukraine, uh, you know, sadly enough, all, all of what is happening uh, in, in and around the Middle East, I just think the world is an oyster when it comes to opportunities to do business. It's just that we've not been exposed as much as we should be. And that onus sometimes is on us as, as, as much as it is on organizations like the U.S. Chamber, which we're trying to do more of this, is to help us under, understand and expose uh, uh, our companies and our people to, to the world. But I do think, uh, yes, I, I think the continent of Africa, um, I do think India, uh, in China, uh, you know, in spite of the geopolitical and other challenges that exist there, I mean, we we have a, uh, uh, a, a a relationship with China that is checkered and on any given day challenge, but it's interdependent. One country, I would tell you that I was just I've had a meeting with the ambassador, and, and and I was struck by that so close to us that we don't think about is Canada. Um, Mexico, I mean, all of these, I think all of these places are yeah. just right for doing business if we understand and we got to think out the box as well and, and, and engage and understand and go on these trade missions. And, you know, as we were saying earlier, get exposed. And I think you've got to see it to believe it. So go take your time to go out to these countries and, and, you know, the beauty of technology today you can look you can experience this stuff online if you do homework and do the research and understanding where to trade what investments you know what are the emerging economies and then building the ties which we can help you with through the u.s chamber of commerce so can the u.s department of commerce that has what's called a foreign commercial service office division and their number one job your own federal government agency the u.s department of commerce is to help you get connected to markets around the world so it's knowledge is being exposed and, and connecting all of these dots. And, and, and that's one of my goals and, and, and what I enjoy most here at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. 
I appreciate it. Um, my final question for you is for a person who may hear all of this information, they may feel overwhelmed and know not what to do next. Can you tell them like two or three things they should do starting tonight? Um, because what I don't want to happen is people be excited about the information and then don't know, apply it. For the entrepreneurs watching tonight, what are like two pieces of advice you would want them to start on tonight um, as soon as they're done watching? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, two things. One is, you know, just learn. I mean, don't don't be overwhelmed. Start somewhere. Again, start, go to uschamber.com. And the, the, the information, the data, just that uschamber.com alone is just invaluable. You don't try to learn everything overnight, but just go, just navigate, just, just go all across our platform and understand the issues, uh, understand some of the market information that we have at uschamber.com in our international division. Uh, and that's a good place to start. I think the second thing is, again, whether it's the U.S. Chamber of Commerce or the local state chamber, get engaged in the right business organizations that can help you create the networks and the relationships that you need to, to get that loan, to get that capital, to get on that trade mission, to connect to that CEO or another black owned business. But those networks are invaluable. Uh, and so, you know, again, whether it's state, that state chamber, that local chamber or the U.S. chamber, you know, think about your uh, ability to invest in a membership. And when you invest in that membership, you got to show up. I mean, if, if you show up and uh, are intentional in your in, in, in your strategy and what you want from it, it works. It really does work. So get that knowledge and information. uschamber.com, all other sources, read, learn, don't become overwhelmed. And then take that time to rethink where you put your time and resources in terms of your memberships. And these organizations are very effective. As long as you do utilize them, you show up and take advantage and leverage these relationships. Rick, I want to thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Pre brother. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. Any, any last words you would like to say before heading out? No, no. Listen, thank you for what you do. Again, I, I watch you from a distance. Uh, I'm really proud in, in, uh, of everything you do and to the extent there are partnerships uh, that we can leverage and create uh, uh, with the U.S. Chamber and our uh, domestic and global network count me in. You know, I wear this hat proudly. I spent a lot of time in Tulsa. I do believe that, you know, we can create what used to be. Uh, the, 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 the black wall streets uh, all across this across America. I think being intentional and working together and and, 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 and walking together in this work uh, is not just that we, we we have to do because we want to, but we have to do it out of necessity. And and that's what that that's the stuff I'm interested in. So count me in and how I can work with you and exploring ways we, in which we can work together. No, for sure. We'll definitely be in touch. We'd love that. to do something with the with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce internationally or domestically or both. So both. definitely we'll be in touch. Once again, thank you for your time, brother. Appreciate it. We appreciate yeah. having you, man. Thank you. One thing we didn't talk about, I want to ask you guys, when you're meeting these people, how often are you following up with them? Because it's one thing to meet them, one thing for them to have interest. But on the back end, um, how consistently are you popping in to follow up? Right away. Right away. I feel like as soon as we get a contact information, you get it for a reason. Right? Like these yeah. people obviously have an interest in what you're doing. There might be an interest that's, you know, that's common thread. And so the first thing I do is send a text message to make sure that I got the number in or if I got the email, we send it to Ab or we want to make sure that 
within 24 hours, there's been, a, hey, nice to meet Absolutely. you. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Looking forward to creating. I always say I'm looking forward to creating history because I feel like when we work together, that's exactly what we can make. That's so that, I mean, right away. Um, yeah. And most people don't do that. I, I had this conversation with uh, Neil. Shout out to Neil Davis. And he was like, how do y'all do it? I'm just like, I actually picked that up from uh, being around Shadi a lot. It was, I was, I would see how consistent he would be with follow up, and I, I watched him, you know, get referrals and be consistent. And it was that that fine balance between being consistent and being annoying. Um, and so, trying to figure that piece out is important. But yeah, I, yeah, within 24 hours of getting the contact information, we're doing that within a week of that. If we don't hear anything, then we follow up, and if not, we don't hear anything back. Then you just leave it there. Um, and eventually, I mean. This this space is it feels like it's a large space, but the people are, I mean you, yeah, you see people everywhere. You, you, yeah, yeah, you start seeing the same people and then you know you follow up in person. Um so when people ask why are you guys everywhere, well that's why because we want to show it up helps everywhere. a lot. It helps, it shows consistency, it shows that you're in the right spaces all the time, which I always preach. Yeah. Um so yeah, the the, the follow up is, is important. So this was I mean, this was a random we would just happen to be in the lobby uh in in Ghana. And just had a, you know, always talking to people. So having a conversation, I had no idea what Rick had done. Uh, and when we started speaking, he was like, I already know what you guys are. We're, we're trying yeah. to figure out how we can work together. Perfect. Have an opportunity. We can, you know, you can speak to the, to our, our audience uh, within the next couple of weeks. And so that's how it came about. Just following up right away. Yeah. Then the content helps a lot, right? To be consistent in the content, mm -hmm. having good reputation, friend to friend, like all of it matters. All of it matters. I know a lot of times people think we're just out to be mixy, but it's work. Yeah. Power of saying hi. Like I saw you in Ghana, you know, I get clown for my Obama thing saying hi to everybody, but you don't know who knows who. You don't you never know. Yeah. And then you and it you know what's beautiful is that a lot of times you'll be in a circle and the respect is so mutual in a sense where it's he might be watching and you had no idea that there was somebody uh, from the defense department that was also watching and somebody in the white house is watching and everybody's been watching some of the content when you just thought, you know, on Mondays you were showing up to talk to your audience that shows up every Monday, you never know who's watching. And so everybody uh, that you meet is an opportunity to number one, get information from, but also spread what you're doing. So yeah, we yeah. take every, every meeting, uh, every time we get, our imp get to meet people in person, it's, it's an opportunity to, to expand the brand. Yeah, um, for sure. I just feel like you got to be definitely aggressive um, when it comes to follow-ups. That's important. And uh, having something to follow up on, too. Don't just follow up and just like, hey, can we get coffee or can I pick your brain? Stuff like that. Yeah. Have some value-add proposition um, that's beneficial. But um, I just want to talk about this Africa situation, if we can, because, you know, we saw the NFL uh, Super Bowl commercial yesterday. Uh, for the Ghana initiative, the African initiative, really, to kind of just promote uh, football on the continent, right? And a pipeline of sorts um, to have to cultivate talent. We saw, you know, the NBA obviously, you know, uh, has taken that lead as far as cultivating talent in other parts of the world, mainly Europe and now Africa. You see a lot of African players coming. Before it was African players, but it was mostly just big men. But now you actually see skilled position guards and stuff like that happening because that's because they're, they're actually, you know, developing training facilities and different things of that nature on the continent, which is, you know, having an impact on on the skills of actually players, which is helping the game and helping the yeah. NBA as well. So the NFL, um, looking at that as an opportunity. So they announced that. Uh, and, you know, he talked about, 
you know, the Africa, the continent of Africa, having the youngest population, one of the only places in the world that actually has a positive growth rate. A lot, a lot of places have negative growth rate, growth rates. If you look at China, Japan, um, Europe, you know, negative, negative growth rates and their, their population numbers are going down. China, uh, Africa, the pretty much the whole entire continent of Africa, their population is going up. Very young population, a lot of resources, a lot of uh, opportunity for sure. Um, but I want to play a video if we can. Um, yes. So, uh, Mike, cue the video. Then it's time for us to just put to just to, to put the imperial hat back on to say we're going to govern those countries. If you're incapable of governing yourselves, because enough is enough, we're done being invaded. Because our own national security risk is at stake. Exactly. National security interests are at stake. You can say that about pretty much all of Africa. They're incapable of governing themselves and benefiting their citizens. Because the governments there are all about looting and pillaging and lining their pockets and going shopping in Paris instead of actually right, hold on a second. Hold on. Better, People better on the left are going to watch this. They're going to say, wait a minute. Eric Prince is talking about being a colonialist again. Absolutely. Yes. So, all right. So what you just watched was uh, a guy named Eric Prince, right? And uh, so he's an American businessman, former Navy SEAL, which is like the most prestigious part of the military. Um, but he also is the founder of Blackwater, a private mm -hmm. military company, um, and had a variety of other things. He has a private equity firm. Um, he does a variety of different things. He is the brother of the former Secretary of Education, Betsy Davos. Betsy mm -hmm. Davos. He's he's her brother. So he's a he's actually he's not just a random nut job this is somebody who's actually moved up the ranks incredibly powerful extremely well-respected person a lot of influence a lot of relationships it's not just some random guy on the internet that's just talking crazy so you just saw the video where he openly called for the recolonization of africa mm -hmm. um in a public interview so imagine yeah. and, what he's and, thinking and the guy gave, the guy gave him an opportunity. He was like, "Well, you know that you know the, the left wing is going to say that you're going you calling for." The, he's like, "No, I am. I am calling for the recolonization of Africa." Um, okay, I have my views on this, but um, what should what what you guys take on it? My take is that at some point that I said this is going to be the year of truth, I, because there's not a lot of pushback politically, and we won't rise up fast enough. They don't care if they get caught doing mischievous things anymore i think that um the resources there are so incredibly valuable and also too if elon has been able to have whatever nefarious past with his dad and then himself and then come here and build what he's built if they have military prowess and political capital and favor why even hide it this is why i say we have to move faster so when, when i began talking about international exposure and diversification internationally a couple of years ago it's really key because Africa is the gold mine, no pun intended. Um, I think in this era, because people will not stand up to villains like this, there's no reason to hide what the plan is anymore. I think we yeah. have to stop being brainwashed, taking in so much media, focusing on bullshit that doesn't matter, so we can kind of thwart this kind of attack on the continent. Yeah. Um, I mean, Betsy DeVos is terrible as a the secretary of education i was in education when she was appointed and her term was extremely short to start there but um yeah i mean 
the moment of tr- the 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 year of truth is, is is a great way to summarize it. But I just feel like this is this 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 bully behavior. It's like that invisible bully, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, but what yep. are you going to do about it? I I think when I hear that, it's like, all right, well, at least they're just saying it out in the public. But on the flip side of it, like, what are we going to do? Uh, are we going to turn our exactly. attention to listening to like, hey, Lotto's beefing with Ice Spice? Are we going to say, hey? Listen to what the Department of Commerce is telling you about emerging markets, especially what can happen in Africa. Right? We need to get Big Mama to team up with Department of Commerce. Right? Like, what? What? What is the action that we're willing to take as yep. a community, uh, as a people? Right? As part of that the, the diaspora, like it's there, um, and they're telling you, like, hey, this is our plan. This is what we're going to do. We've done it before, and you know what? The way it looks, you can't run it. So we need to come in and do it. Um, I don't even want to call it a warning sign. I don't even want to call it a cause for alarm. A declaration of war. It, 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 it's, it, it's more of a declaration of this is what we're about to do. And again, it feels like it's the bully. It's the guy who's in the playground like, yo, I'm going to take your snack, bro. And every day you come here for lunch, I'm going to take it again until you yeah. decide to you know, take a course of action. Um, and I think we have to figure out what our course of action is. And hopefully it, it's not a small group. Uh, a small conglomerate of people, but it's a large mass of people that decide, like, all right, nah, we can't. We've seen this happen. We know how history has played out before. Here's our, our our time. And when we talk about the next five to ten years being important, this is part of that yeah. game, game plan as well. Well, I think it's a few things to highlight here. Um, so he pretty much, in a nutshell, talks about the corruption of African leaders and the dysfunction of a lot of African countries, and they can't get their act together. So, you know, we, we're better off just ruling over them anyway. It speaks to a variety of different standpoints. It speaks from a, a white superiority standpoint of they actually a lot of white people have never looked at any other group of people as um, regular human beings or on the same level of them. And this is why they have taken over the entire world, right? Whether it's America, whether it's South America, whether it's Australia, New Zealand, Africa, there has been no part of the world where Europeans have not conquered, raped, and pillaged. Um, and you just don't change. People just don't change who they are because they are no longer in that position. You still think like that, right? Like It's not like, okay, we've been thinking about this for a thousand years, and now we have withdrawn out of the country and now we just are completely different people. A lot of people still hold those same views. Um, so that should, that's one thing that I think people just have to just come to grips with. Right. I think a lot of times, especially black people, we have a, a, a situation where we, we want the best for people and we want to thank that the best and we want to we always forget everything that's ever happened. And we want to just start new and we want to just act like every, everybody's a, this is a new day. It's really not. It's the same day as it was before. Yep. Like shielded. You know, like, yeah, it might be shielded. It might be masked. But at the end, you are who you are in this world. So there are racist people in this world. That's not going to change. There are people that think that they are superior in this world. That's not going to change. No matter what, like you might lose a war, but that doesn't necessarily change the way that you think in your brain. So I think that that's important for people to understand. It's especially important for African nations to understand because, you know, African people, just like black people in America are very um, welcoming people and they're very um, forgiving people as well. But that's to their detriment. It's happened before. So if, if, if 
you have to learn from history. You can't make the same mistakes. So be careful who you welcome into your country. Be careful who you accept money from. Be careful who you give your natural resources to because history can repeat itself, right? Yep. Um, but also I think that it's important for people to have a, a good understanding of history. So this is a common theme of like, well, why can't Africans get themselves together? It's the same thing of like, why can't black people in America get themselves together? Well, you colonized them for 80 years, right? You raped and pillaged and, and literally killed, maimed, did all kinds of horrific uh, psychological effects. After, after you, you withdraw from the country, you put them on economic sanctions, you ruin the economy purposely, right? Then anytime that a real leader comes to power, CIA and other government agencies from Europe have assassinated them have imprisoned them, have actually propped up coups against them to put dictators in place that they have in their pocket. So it, it, there's a reason why there's dysfunction. Right? Like, I just think like a lot of it's like, oh, like this dysfunction. Why can't they get it together? Well, it's been a systematic uh, program put in place for over a century to ensure instability, to ensure poverty to ensure corruption corruption it doesn't happen by accident so yeah. wherever there's corruption in the world europe and america has played a part in it and is continuing to play a part in it so to this day they just four countries just declared their independence from france and that they will have no longer dealings with france um ivory coast a uh, few other countries now in 2024, they were still getting 70% of the resources now. Yeah. Like, so it's like, I you think the music contract's bad. Yeah. The venture capital on land move. Perpetuity. Yeah. They were telling us when we was in Ghana, these, these countries in Africa, um, when they got their independence from, from France, they had to sign deals that included, um, 70% of, um, all of the natural resources. France could get dirt cheap for perpetuity forever perpetuity. look yes. at haiti there's a reason why haiti is the poorest country in the world they're the only country that's ever had a successful slave um re revolt rebellion started a country but they started their country by having to give reparations to france when napoleon put the ships at their at their their, their shore they really had no choice at that point in time they said okay like we'll agree to this but france has been raping uh haiti ever since yeah. so and then the, the president just gets killed in broad daylight four years ago. How does that happen? You don't think any other foreign entity has any play in this at all? Like, so I just think that it's, it's one of these things that's a convenient ignorance when people just look at the situation for what it is and say like, damn, this is, this is fucked up. But as a thinking person, you should always look at deeper and realize that there's reasons why it's fucked up. This happens. Yeah. And it's the same thing in America. Like there's reasons why people now ultimately, yeah, you do have to take some accountability and you do have to rise above that because nobody's going to help you. But I think it's important to understand that if you put somebody in a grave, it's going to be hard for them to be flying in five years. So Nigerian banker who just got killed in a helicopter crash this past weekend. Nobody's talking about Yeah. Yeah. I just saw that. So in that analogy with, I don't even know would, would would white supremacy be the invisible bully or is it not even the invisible bully? 
right? Because it, there's undertones to it that most people won't know, but it's happening. What's your thoughts on that? It, it, I mean, the, the crazy part. Go ahead, Rashad. Oh, I don't. I don't think it's. I think it could be. I think it's not so much invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some people would just tell you how they feel, and some people might kind of, you know, be a little bit more intelligent about how they communicate. But it's never been. And black people have to stop accepting white supremacy. When the Queen of England goes to Jamaica, she's treated like Holly Selassie returned. Now, whose fault is that? Right. And Sean told us this. He was like, look, there's no there's no there's nothing honorable about what the British Empire did in the Caribbean at all. So why are we still why do we still have such high regard for the royal family? Education. No, well, it's also being being brainwashed. That's right? what I said. It started programming. Especially in yeah. the Caribbean, when you talk about education, they and when they're in school, that's that's what they're learning, right? Like this is who's in charge of this land, all hail to the queen. Like it meant it meant something. When you talk about Jamaica, this is like nineteen sixty four. It meant something to my grandmother. It meant something to my mother, who was like a young child, for the queen to come because they had been taught. Like even when I remember when my grandmother passed away, and this is like in the late nineties, there was just books and books about the royal family, and I'm like. But I, what, what I'm saying, it, but it, it had been ingrained in from, from a young slave. But what I'm saying yeah. is that at some point in time, as a black person, yeah. you're a black country, right? Now it takes somebody to say, "Look, this is what we've been doing, but this ain't right, bro. Well, this ain't right. Why are we celebrating our oppressors? They literally weren't slave owners. Mm-hmm. There's nothing honorable about honoring the royal family in a country that enslaved you." So I, I get it that it's like it's like the same with the slave masters. At some point in time, black people in America had to say, nah, we're not doing this. Like, no, like if that never happens, then you just it's insanity. There's no reason why any government in Africa should be wearing blonde wigs and calling each other lords. I don't care if the, they put that on you, but now you're free. You don't have to keep that tradition going. That's you're playing a part in your own mental slavery. Bob Marley told us that. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace to Bob Marley and free yourself from a mental emancipation. There's so many things mentally mm-hmm. that you have to unravel because it's like the physical aspect is one thing, but the mental aspects last right. way, way longer. And it's actually way more um, hurtful than what anybody can do but, physically. But that's why it goes back to that. It's that same piece of this is the indoctrination, right? So if you've been indoctrinated, yeah. which can be your used entire in life, your entire life, then that's all you know, unless you have exposure, which takes sometimes it takes capital to even leave to have exposure. But if the doctrine changes, and I think like that's where we're on the cusp of, I think then viewpoints change, mindset changes, societies change. So it's important. Like, yeah, so when you bring up our mom, that's important. He's trying to change the doctrine, right? What his message was was changing the doctrine. I feel like what we're doing in this space is changing the doctrine, right? When 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 Rick was just talking about we need to learn to unlearn, to relearn again. I think yeah. that's why this moment in history is so important. Interesting part is he's one of the ones who will actually state how he feels, but there's a million others that feel the same way. I won't touch on the country over there, but... Yeah that is prep for the invasion of Africa. That's why BRICS to me, um, even though I called, you know, China's stock market falling apart, BRICS is really important because it's not only 
a way to finish the United States as like the preeminent power. It's a way to invade Africa and take all the resources. I, I've said it before. The Chinese are already there. Right. They're already in Mexico. Like people aren't talking about it. Now you're seeing other military groups, former business people. Like if you think the BlackRock buying single family homes play with something, imagine if you can take a whole continent. Yeah. I don't think people leaders don't have resources to fight back. I don't, and people don't really have a full concept of the size of the continent. I think we just think of Africa like, oh, it's it's that oh, this the land size of it is just yes, it's massive. And you're talking about 1.3 billion people that are living there, and he's saying the average age is 19. I mean, these are the type of scenarios. It was like, of course, if when people have capital, they're going to come in and they're going to try to take advantage of it. And then that's the invisible part is like, then you'll see policy change and you realize you're on the wrong side of it, and then you discrimination happens and what we saw here redlining these things in north africa now egyptians right. won't even say that they're Af like what yeah yeah well we'll monitor the situation but um closely ghana is the move like i told you ghana, i said look listen i said um i said semiconductors and i was like yo just invest in you don't might not know exactly what company to invest in but um technology artificial intelligence that's the wave like that's gonna that's gonna be the predominant factor that moves society for the next 15 20 years like this is what's happening this qqq yeah. thing is only gonna go up smh is gonna go up this is the wave and it's not falling africa specifically ghana right now is the wave remember i told you remember i told you that this is the wave mikey clipped this up Yes, yeah, a fact. That's the wave. In ten years, it's only going to be bigger. In twenty years, it's only going to be bigger. You have an opportunity now. I'm telling you, shout out to the NFL. But when, even when I saw the commercial, I said, "Damn, you're advertising the colonization." <laughs> I'm gonna come bearing gifts like Santa Claus. But if I advertise me going there, I'm like, okay, well, it's front and center. Yeah, interesting. That like international exposure is key. Uh, for me, it was Mexico first. I think you need four cities. I'm gonna follow Rashad's lead. Ghana is really important. Got to get you two other ones. Um, keep investing for the long term. But as you build your knowledge base from investing, you'll see the same opportunity in other countries. You have to follow. And he you told you, can't, he he just told you, Canada. Shout out to all our Toronto Canada, family. Canada been on the radar. My dog's tweet yeah, yeah. did like it's yeah, there. Yeah. We we don't. We intentionally have gone to these cities. London, we, we took you there. Toronto, we took yeah. you there. Accra, we brought you there. Very intentional. Very. Okay. Abu Dhabi. Well, before we leave, let's talk City about three. the stocks. Let alone. Um, cloud, <laughs> cloud fair. Hey. What's it? Hey. Doing? You know, you, you made a hell of a call. So I have to ask you, <laughs> what did you see in the stock that made you pick it uh, and job well done on? Uh, you know, I appreciate you, brother. I, I recall us at the end of last year uh, giving our stocks for 2024. And mm -hmm. um, I said, look, I, there's one that is not on the radar. Um, but when we think about the AI economy, the ecosystem of AI, yes, NVIDIA is important. Yes, AMD is important. We talked about ASML. These things are very important. TSM, very important. But there is an economy being built around artificial intelligence and uh, AI, right? So generative AI, I'm sorry. When we talk about security, that's important, right? Yep. So 
if there's more apps being built, if there's more sites being built, and there's more uh, automation in those sites and in these companies, they're going to need to pr- be protected. CrowdStrike is something that we spoke about, um, but it kind of had taken off. And so I, you know, start looking at the the, the top companies in space, uh, and from a, you know, from the data dogs, uh, a, we talked about some of the CRMs with Salesforce and HubSpot. Cloudflare hit my radar, um, and so I started to dig a little bit deeper into it. I saw had they've been trading sideways uh, since the pandemic. They hit a high of one hundred twenty four dollars in April of twenty two. Said okay, let, let's see what they're really about. Peeled it back. I said okay, let me go do my AI research now, right? And I showed you in, in, in Chicago how I was using AI to actually do some of the research. And so yep. there are plenty of analysts from plenty financial firms that give great advice. And I said, all right, well, great. I don't want to have to read 20 different analysts. How about I just take a PDF of the 20 and put it into AI and give me a summary and summarize it and tell me a price target where you think this thing is going, all right? And so it gave me that number. I looked at it. I looked at their financials. I said, you know what? It's been trading sideways. It, it hit a, a point where I'm like, it's going to it's gonna come out of, uh, of the cycle now. And obviously coming into earnings, all the signs have been pointing to it having a great return. Just so happens that they announced more partnerships in the security uh, services and stock went up 20%. Now, does that happen every day? No, it doesn't happen every day. But that research started four months ago, right? So four months into leading up into a point, I'm like, all right, this this is the, the key point right here. I like what they're doing. It's been trading sideways. All of my metrics had hit to say, all right, this is the time we got into it. Um, I actually did an options call on it. I think it went within 24 hours. It had gone up 70%. By the time earnings came and blue earnings, it was up 378%. And so we don't we don't sneeze at these type of gains. I, I have a text message where I'm texting my brother. I said, look, I'm, I'm looking for 20 to 30% here. I think they're going to blow out earnings. Uh, just yeah. so happens it, it went up, I mean, 12-fold on it. So. Um, these type, this is the type of research that goes into it. This is the type of patience where we're saying that we're, you know, we're, we're plugging at it, but nah, boy, we're not, we're not just spraying up the, the market, right? We're selectively finding spots inside of this ecosystem that is called AI. Told you about HubSpot in October of last year. It was at $410. <sighs> it got up to 634 The stock. So imagine if you had an option. Yeah. Um, so yep. the stock went up um, almost over $200. And they're reporting their earnings on Wednesday. And from doing the research that I've done, I'm looking at the quarter. I said, look, they're going to have a positive, a positive earnings. Um, and so that's important, right? Like look at when they're reporting, look at when companies are reporting, look at their estimates. Um, I use Estimize. I use Zacks. Yeah, I, I like Estimize. I use Zacks is good too. Anything I can use. CNBC, I use a lot. Well, anything yeah. I can, I can use for research. I'm using it. Uh, E-Trade. I think they have tons of information in different yeah. types of, of things you can find, Charles. Well, any place that there's information on, I'm using it and putting it in the research. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, man, it, it it was it was an impressive uh, week last week. But these things happen with, with due diligence and research. Shout to those who say we are hoarding information. Not the black guy who made investing popular. He called Cloudflare, HubSpot. We talked about Nvidia. If I miss Super Micro, my bad. But. What are you going to do for the community, yeah. brother? But that's how people need to look at the market too, right? When we talk about the S&P and it hitting 5,000. Yeah, well, what's been carrying that? Like, what's really been lifting that? 
right? We talk about the Magnificent Seven, and I know people like our Tesla shouldn't be there. But let, even if we put Eli Lilly inside there and took Tesla out, you're talking about eight stocks that have really pushed the economy, right? Good and if facts. the S&P is a synopsis of 500, some of these companies are going to have to start pulling their weight. And so everybody's looking for the home run. Should we be invested in NVIDIA now? Well, NVIDIA is over $720 for sure. Yeah. I'm not saying when or when not to, but all right. But well, there's other opportunities out there. There's plenty of opportunities, especially in the we'll ecosystem. Just go dig. Yeah, it, the ecosystem of AI is not going anywhere, right? Like the the fourth, we know the front runners. But what companies are going to benefit from having AI in the infrastructure of their business? I think the two that we named are great. Uh, I think Salesforce, uh, when they report in a few weeks, I think people are going to be surprised yeah, what the type of quota that they're going to have. So. Yeah. All these things are important when you when you when you're trying to invest in a company. Oh, last thing, last thing. Shout out to my DraftKings. <laughs> I took a lot of heat for DraftKings. And today I'm gonna stand up and say thank you for the heat. I appreciate the heat. But the it made you better, right? It has made me better. And over the past year, it's up 164%. 164%. Uh, and based on what the Super Bowl looked like, which is important. Uh, I think how many states are legalized gambling? Maybe maybe ten, twelve of them. Yeah, they set so. a record for tw with twenty three billion dollars placed in bets for Super Bowl weekend. Twenty three billion. That's insane, yo. One event, and think about what that looks like for those 12, 12 or thirteen states. But what does that look like when you have thirty states? When you have four, when it becomes every state? When you talk about sports betting. Um, so Flutter, which is the the parent company of FanDuel, uh, we, we just saw what The Rock did and the announcement that they did to uh, be traded uh, here in America. Uh, but DraftKings too, man. Sports betting is something that has brought in a lot of profit, especially here in New York. Um, and yeah. I think that's going to even be bigger. I think New York actually in December had more money brought into it than Vegas for the first time. So sports betting is something that's not going away. So these, yeah. these type of strategic placements in the market are important. And they got uh, LeBron as an ambassador, right? The official ambassador of DraftKings. He said, helps a lot when LeBron James come here. He said, wear your crown. You wear the crown. <laughs> yeah. And, and I have a theory um, that if they don't have any massive losses over the next three or four years, the sports betting industry is going to have a chance to take on passive investing. Like I saw what Prospects did. They had a way you can wager that Pat Mahomes would get more than. 50 yards easy win like if they come up with a safe bet every week or every month the passive index industry may have a little bit of trouble because they will have found a way to give a higher return on a monthly basis than what most indexes will give on a yearly and if you have a bunch of safe bets like that in DraftKings, FanDuel, price picks all does it that's yeah. why i would say your competition is never ending your industry is elsewhere and it's a trickle down economy in in this sense. When people are, why they keep showing Taylor Swift? Why they keep showing? And we kind of like spoke about it a little bit. You get a younger audience of people yep. watching, but who's that audience? That younger audience? It's women, right? Like it's women. More women are now watching the game. Who spend more? Who spend and influence by decisions? Here's what DraftKings has found out: more women are now gambling on their on their app. Right, really? so they're gonna keep showing them, keep showing. They're gonna try, to, right? The fact that the Chiefs won, and and let's say like they go into next season and they're still didn't. Let, this just intensifies, right? Yeah. Now you're gonna see it even more because it's like the younger audience is watching, that fan base is watching, more people are betting on the most. 
I mean, the coin toss you can bet. These prop bets are crazy. What's what's going to be yeah. Usher's first song? What song is he closing to? All these prop bets are be play are, are being placed during the game, and so you have even if you're a casual fan, there's money that you can make within to seconds. Or yeah. lose, or lose. Gambling has considerable risk. Please consult your advisor. The prop bet on when they get engaged is going to be crazy, though. They got one out there for you? No, I'm talking about Kelsey. Me? Oh, oh, oh. oh no. <laughs> Not this year. <laughs> next. <laughs> you never know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll say that for Wednesday. We'll see. Yeah. Before, we'll we'll, we, can, we can talk about it now if y'all want to. Right, go ahead. But oh boy, quit criticizing. Do something for the community. Dig deeper in your bag how your girl wants you to. Leave me alone. I grabbed them put pillows and put them up underneath the Wednesday. Leave me alone. If I made you money, please put us in chat. To get the pillow and push on a stomach play. Damn. Damn. These are just jokes written by 85 South. <laughs> I mean none of this, yo. <laughs> Blackout every Wednesday. Blackout. Blackout. Yeah. yeah. Black 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Yeah. Black Mamba. That's a preview. Yeah. Yeah, 824. Yeah, uh, yeah, shout out to, to Kobe and Gigi and everybody that was lost in tragedy. The statue was revealed uh, on Thursday. So, Black Mama, that's why we got it here. Right. And shout out to uh, Anthony Edwards, man. They sent them some, some kicks. Shout out to Ant Man. Yeah, look, look. Yeah. Uh, so, we didn't really see what's going on here, man. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a sneaker guy. This is I a like very him. impressive first shoe. Adida, I, I like what him. you did here. I like what you did yeah. here. I think. This is a very, very impressive first shoe. So the first run, one, yep. shout out to Adida for sending them over. Plenty of love for y'all. And the James Hardens. If somebody can get those to me, I would really appreciate it. The James Harden, James Harden 8, uh, the black and white pair is yes, super, super sick. For me. I would pre yeah. appreciate that. Thank you, Adida. Shout out to Ant. Shout out to the whole team. look like Baby Jordan, yo. Yo. They said the closest. You looking like Baby Yo, the the, the mannerisms, right? Like the way he's moving through. Yeah, I see it. I see it. I see yeah, it. I don't want to say it, but I see what they're saying. Shout out to Ann. He's Ann. a dog. He's a dog. Yeah, he's yeah. one of the ones. Before we leave, um, Sam Altman uh, and OpenAI looking to raise $7 trillion. <laughs> What's your thoughts? Boy, want to be a dictator. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Like, I thought I read the headline wrong. I'm like, okay, let me go research a few more times. But um, I know how important open AI is to the American economy. I know how important the AI space is, but um, I know he said at one point there's going to be a one person multi-billion dollar company. I don't know if he has plans for that himself, but um, I think this is a hell of a ask. This is like the GDP for a lot of countries. I don't know if we should have a limit on how much capital a one company can raise because that would essentially give them a monopoly. But this is the first time I heard a headline about raising capital that caused me to be concerned. Um, I don't want to make it a race issue, but when we can't raise one or 2% to be able to raise 7 trillion, and I know he wants to deploy it into buying chips and making more things, but is there a limit that there should be on how much capital you can raise at one time for one company when you really already have an edge in that market anyway? Is And I love Sam. I love open AI. Yeah. But here's the part. I mean, it sounds lofty, right? Like that's beyond lofty, raising seven trillion. But is it possible? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's that's the, part, that's the part that we got to read. Like, yeah, it sounds like that's crazy. No, no, it, it's very. It's it, and I could it, argue if Sam was Elon and he ran OpenAI and it did it so well, he probably could raise twenty trillion. If Sam had the fanfare that Elon did from three years ago with Kathy, he could have raised twenty trillion easily. Elon just didn't deliver. Sam's actually delivering on the product. Yeah, yeah, that's what makes it scary. Like he could quietly get that. Yeah, and with the help of Microsoft, like I'm like. Now, if I'm him as an entrepreneur, I'd be like, Ian, shut up. Don't ruin my move. I'm not mad. But this is a dictator, super monopoly potential. Um, just a yeah. little concern. Now, as an investor in Microsoft, do, do I like the idea? Of course, from that side. But <laughs> it, it did give me a lot of concern of like, if he does raise the $7 trillion, what is the downside of it? And there, there could be a lot of it. There's a lot of downside. What does that do to the valuation of Microsoft? I mean, right? We're talking now. What if they own? What do they own? Forty nine percent. Forty nine percent of it. Yeah. So you talk. You're talking about they're almost they're on pace to be the first four trillion dollar company by market cap. Yep. So. Well, he's not gonna he's not gonna raise seven trillion, right? I think you just put that number out there just to kind of like you know get headlines, sensationalism. Is that's impossible. Do we, if if Microsoft you think is, so? Well, that's what I'm asking. I don't think he gets seven. I think even if he says seven and he gets to three. Oh, he's not gonna get three. But I'm just saying, like, if he if you get if you get five hundred billion, right? A raise, like if you raise five hundred billion dollars. That that values your company at one trillion, because he's only he can only raise fifty percent, fifty one percent. Unless I mean, what's the X on it? Some of that gives us some of that equity. No, I'm saying if you if you raise if fifty percent of the company, let's just say let's just say that's what I'm saying. Like let's say twenty five percent because he's going to keep some equity. Yeah, yeah. Let's say he let's say he raises twenty. Let's say he 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 has twenty five percent where he's just giving up for for the raise. Mm-hmm. And he raises a half a trillion dollars, right? Now that values your company at two trillion dollars. You're one of the top five. You're one of the top three companies in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but his business case would be: I'm trying to give America. This is my pitch: would be I'm trying to keep America in the edge to supply chips and parts to the entire world. It's bigger than a damn U.S. defense budget, right? It's needed, and he's in favor. I, he may not get the whole seven, but even like you said, if he raises one point three trillion, that gives him an edge that no one else can catch up to. No, scary, no. scary. Um, yeah, he wants to supply the world with uh, semi chips, like. It's not impossible. Improbable, yes. But even Improbable. if he raises half or or two trillion in a time where the world needs it, and the entire hype cycle has materialized, and Chat GPT is doing well, you need chips to be competitive. In America, if we're going to be honest, in terms of innovation and technology, oh, we're way right. behind. We're operating on PlayStation One when Japan right. and China have five. Let, let's say he gets to the one trillion. Who you, who do you think the biggest investor is? 
UAE, no question. UAE. Hell, <laughs> a one trillion won't move a needle. And I was talking to Stock Club about this. Like, okay, hypothetically, the company that no one is talking about that I'm worried about the most, Saudi Aramco. What if they raise a trillion? Yeah, I was saying, I mean, UAE doesn't, UAE, Saudi has more money than the UAE by a long shot. Yeah. So if Aramco puts that trillion up and then they get into business and that would help Microsoft tremendously to have another territory to potentially nominate. Yeah, Aramco is a two trillion you thought, right now. And no one talked about it. Yeah, number three in the world. You thought that slap that Rock gave Cody made some noise. <laughs> hey, <laughs> boy, people are going to be crying. The Satya Sam Altman Aramico move. Boy, but what do I know? What do I know? Sam Altman, what's up, my boy? I'm on the show. Raise three trillion. Hey, I got a couple ideas for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Rashad, my Illuminati paperwork ain't came in. Can you call Illuminati me? with my mind, soul, and my body. <laughs> Secret society trying to keep the army. Yo, can, let's do this really quickly before we go. So I saw it in, in the notes. The Super Bowl ad you saw last night uh, that had the biggest marketing lesson and what you took from it. What, what would y'all? I, I, I'm interested in hearing what y'all would say. I think Beyonce stole the show. The Verizon joint? Yeah, absolutely. Then to okay. launch the music after. Um, because I know all the attention was on Sw uh, Taylor, mm -hmm. but the queen came and said, Hey, no, 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 and, and Usher and Usher, right? But but Beyonce, I think her ad was phenomenal and she got paid for the ad, she got 30 million for the ad. <laughs> Not bad. Launch her project, country project. Now she's going Taylor went pop, Beyonce gonna go country for a little bit. It's yeah, act well, two of Renaissance. It, it, it and I listened to the songs, I right. it, it doesn't even sound like it's sports. Bad. I mean, she's from Texas. It has that that flair to it. So it's, it's Act Two or Act Three of Renaissance. What, what yeah. you got? What you? What was yours? No, Beyonce is good. I mean, you know, it's like you said. I mean, it's a double double, right? You get paid, then you also get to launch. You use that to launch your some on your own thing. So you're getting paid twice. Um, the Kanye West commercial. I don't think it aired. Um, I never saw it. National. I didn't see it. Yeah, he yeah, said he paid seven million for to put the. It just said DZ.com or any. It was like self recorded from his phone. He put the commercial on his on his Instagram page. Oh, um, but I didn't see it because so I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm this this. I'm sure there's a bunch of regulations and policies you have to meet before even putting. I don't even matter if you have the money. They still have the right yeah. to say we're not putting it on. But um, no, I thought Beyonce was definitely a good one for sure. The NFL was very impactful, obviously, with their Ghana initiative. That's that's uh, taking over a whole continent in in thirty seconds, yep. and um, a couple others. I thought like the Arnold Schwarzenegger commercial was cool. I, I thought that the J Lo commercial was cool. I think that was the funniest. The, it was, it was yeah, a few. yeah. I, I had and I, I I don't know if people saw it, but I think Google um, had one of those moments uh, in the ad in the ad campaign industry because of their use case of AI. I don't know if y'all remember, it was a gentleman who was uh, vision impaired. Yep. And they showed a practical use of how AI would work, where they it takes the picture, and now it shows you the clarity. Yep. So showing AI and the practical use case of it, 
I thought was brilliant. And it was just like this emotional journey that followed him throughout his life where he couldn't really see in these, all these moments to the moment where he's having a child and he couldn't see, but the clarity of the phone actually allowed him to see because he was vision appears like a new feature that they're adding on their, their, their Google phone. Having AI be the story of the year and the decade and then showing yeah. the use case for it, I thought it was a brilliant job on uh, Google's part. Congrats to them on that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. shout out to all my creative directors and everybody in that yeah. industry. And homes.com, shout out to homes.com. We yep. did the homework for you. I thought that was clever and having yeah, my man Lil Wayne in it was, was dope too. Lil Wayne, you're on the clock. Super Bowls in New Orleans next year. You are on the clock, Jay. That'll be fire. Hey, Jay. Let that happen. Oh, Dwayne Carter, it is in New Orleans, my well, brother. He's not, it's a 0% chance that he's going to head on. <laughs> he, he'll, be, he'll be part of it, like the, the um Dr. Dre thing when he brought a bunch of people out. I'm just it's, saying, just, yeah. just no, have him part they, of it. Inclusion. Just have them part no, of they it. They got to do a New Orleans gumbo. You got to do a gumbo of New Orleans of different. You got to have jazz. You got to have Wayne. You got to have like, you know, different cultural people like that. That's what I would do if I was Jim. I would have like a whole second line with the trumpets, with the band. I would you you got to incorporate all elements of New no Orleans. cultural. No, no limit. No limit. No, and he's important. He's very important. Nobody's bigger than Wayne. No. in the history of New Orleans. Yeah. Wayne. Dre. That'd be fire. That'd be fire. I don't know if he's he. I mean, he's he can't headline it, but he needs to be part of it. We'll see. Absolutely. We'll see what they do. Jay, you on the clock? All right, ladies and gentlemen, spin rail. Get your tickets to Carnegie Hall tomorrow. We will be with yes. Robert Smith, Ricky Rose, Westmore, and a bunch of other people. Um, and you have to wear a tuxedo if you're coming. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. Uh, blackout season Every Wednesday. Season premiere Valentine's Day. That's your gift. Um, 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. Be there. Popcorn Sh ready. Uh, Shotty gonna buy somebody's Chanel bag. So, ladies, put your what? raffle. What? Raffle. 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 Random person that's being selected in the chat. Yes. <laughs> we will have we will have a form, fill out your information, and you'll be randomly hey, selected. That's ain't a bad idea though. Since I ain't giving out bags no more, you know what I mean? That's a great idea. <laughs> The data collection play. Um, Big facts. Tashonda Brown Duckett, CEO of Cref, TIA Cref, Cref um, yeah. $1.2 under management. One of the ones live from Morehouse College. Tune in. It will be a life-changing experience for sure. Big facts. Yes. And um, yeah. Stock yeah. up call Wednesday at 9 p.m. Central. Then watch Blackout. Um, I'll see you guys in Indianapolis and then Red Panda meetup weekend, the 23rd to 25th here in Houston, Texas. Yeah. Shout out and, to uh, Happy birthday to Chuck. What's going on, my brother? Fee, what's going on? Happy birthday. Happy birthday to everybody that's celebrating this week. Love is love, man. Yep. Love y'all. Please. Happy birthday, Chuck, man. Love. Happy birthday. Love y'all. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. 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 Hero